Welcome to the Executive Function Podcast, where we make the invisible keys to success easy for you to teach your child. We'll go beyond theory to proven action, helping you create peace and independence at home and at school with your host, educational author, award-winning teacher, and celebrated learning coach, Sarah Kesti. Hey team, today on the show, we have the co-owners and the founders of Calm Strips. And I know that so many of you use them. And if you don't, you are in for a treat to discover what they are and how they help with self-regulation and executive function and all the stuff that we love on the show. So with us today are Lucy Fuller and Michael Malkin. And thank you both so much for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, excited. And they're both so excited that they're talking at the same time, which is exactly the way we roll on this show. So, <laughs> all right. So let's just start kind of at the basics for those who don't yet know about Calm Strips. Tell us what they are and kind of how they help people. Yeah. So Calm Strips are kind of our, our one lines. They're, they're textured sensory adhesives designed to help regulate restless energy, and so I kind of came up with the idea because you know, I find that a lot of the sensory stuff that's out there and not that it doesn't have its place. It's more like fidget spinners, cubes, things like that. They're great. I've used them in the past. Problem is like they can be clunky and cumbersome and they're kind of hard to take with you everywhere you go. And so I came with the idea of Comstrips, which is something that you can, it's kind of a small adhesive strip. It's about three and a half inches tall by about one inch wide. And you can stick it on your laptop, on your phone, on a desk, on a school desk, really anywhere. It doesn't leave any residue. And it's got different choice of textured finishes. So if you want to you know, rub, scratch, or pick at it to help, like we said, like regulate restless energy, increase focus, reduce fidgeting. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that you can utilize it. And I just kind of think of it as a tool for someone who needs that sensory tool, but doesn't want to necessarily you know, carry an object with them. Yeah. And it sounds amazing, like in terms of self-regulation and just like, you know, sometimes we think of tools like, oh, this would be really helpful, but we don't think about its utility generalized to every setting. Right. So like I used to put sticky Velcro underneath my students' desks and then they could kind of feel it and they could choose like the soft or the aggressive. That's not the right word for it, but you know, the loops or the hooks side Mm -hmm. and they got to choose that, but then it was stuck to the desk. So it wasn't portable. You know, Mm -hmm. this is kind of like the next evolution of it that I know like the clients I work with in executive function coaching and students I have all really appreciate that they can kind of stick it to their stuff. So if they're going class to class, they got it. Yeah, we've heard from a lot of teachers that they used to do hook and loop tape on the bottom, right? And it's interesting too, because we do have two textures. So we have soft sand that is a very fine, subtle grain. And then we also have the river rocks, which is a little bit, like you said, it's a little bit rougher, but it's it's not going to hurt you in any ways or means. But the cool thing is because calm strips are so beautiful, if you wanted to put them on your desk, so small kids that don't maybe go to different classes, they can put them on their desk and they're really cool. Right. So my kindergartner, he's like, how many can I get? How many can I put next to each other? You know? So like they all have their own thing, but it's, it's neat because they are pretty and they are useful and they go wherever you want. I love that 
we've kind of taken a little bit of that stigma of needing a tool away. You know, we put it out in the open. It's beautiful. Show your friends, scratch it if you need to, peel it if you want to. It's not something that we want anybody to feel ashamed about using. Yeah. What a great point. I love some of the designs. So I have a whole box. I ordered a whole teacher kit. So (laughs) I had the fun time of opening them all and being like, feel this, look at this, you know, which one resonates with me. And you're right. Like the different textures are like, they'll speak differently to different people. So it was kind of nice to have that variety to kind of see what worked for me. Yeah. I think we started with just one, like we started with the soft sand and like, that was kind of the one that I always liked the most. Like that was kind of the one that I really worked for me. And we heard from our customers, like a lot of our customers, like we want something that's even more textured and and some of that. And always my concern, I think this is something that, you know, Lucy and I talked a lot about was, you know, we didn't want it to be something where someone could could injure themselves or or anything like that, like scratch themselves or, or hurt themselves with, you know, a comp strip. So it was like figuring out a texture that's rough enough and textured enough, but that's still safe for, Lucy mentioned she has a kindergarten age child, you know, we want it to be safe for anyone to use. And so I think it's finding that right balance between having it be textured, but also have it be safe as well. Right. Yeah. Cause I could see, you know, like if you had an escalation and it was in your hand, you like hit your face or something, you don't want something that's like abrasive to hurt your skin, but you want something that dials up the sensory feedback enough that it's giving you what you need to regulate. Yeah. So speaking of, I really see comb strips as a self-regulation tool. And I love Lucy that you thought of, you know, we make them pretty so that there's no shame and they're kind of something to celebrate that we've got this cool tool to use, like when my energy is kind of wonky or it doesn't match the need of the environment or the like what the environment necessitates. But, you know, like if we have the energy where it's a mismatch and you've got to, you know, kind of get it in the right spot, then that's where I see calm strips helping is that self-regulation. So how do the two of you interact with that concept of self-regulation? Like, what does it mean to you? So I see it most, I can't speak for how I use it because I feel like it's so in the moment that it's not something that I can then verbalize. I know that's a little bit weird, especially for the business I'm in. But having said that, I see it the most when I watch my kids, I have five of them. And specifically last year when they were at home doing virtual learning and tests really, really build up the anxiety for two of them. And I saw them kind of like scratching at the calm strips before and during the test because it helped them to offload that anxiety. So then the part of their brain that was anxious is kind of like, on the calm strip, right? So anything that they were then working on, they were more focused on so they could regulate without even realizing it, I think, because I mean, these are big emotions. These are big processes for kids that age to go through. And I still can't put words to it for myself as we've seen. So (laughs) they're then able to take that test or do that assignment with much less anxiety because they, like I said, they've, they've offloaded it to something else where they still know they have it, they're dealing with it, but it's somewhere else, right? It's at that calm strip in their fingertips. Just to, uh, just to dovetail off what Lucy was saying there. I think, 
you know, there's been such a focus, I feel like in the last, especially the last few years around kind of mental health and, you know, meditation and mindfulness and those and, and that. And I think, you know, calm strips, I think, kind of bring some bring attention, I think, in a positive way to kind of sensory health and kind of, you know, we kind of call them a tool for a really specific reason, because we never want to put out in the universe that like, here's a sticker that calms your anxiety, or here's a sticker that cures, you know, your problems. It's like, because it's not that, I mean, it's designed to be a tool. It's something that you can utilize. I think, you know, some people have an, an app that they use, but, you know, for me as someone who I've a really hard time, like sitting still just in general. So I'm on my laptop right now and I have like six comp strips all along the bottom of my laptop. So you know that I'm co-owner of the company, but yeah. And I'm using them like all throughout the time that we're talking because I just have trouble staying still. So for me, if I'm trying to do like mindfulness or, or something like that, or just trying to be like kind of in the moment, the comp strips can help me with that because I kind of think of them in that way. And so I think it's a lot of the success that you have with it, I think is your ability to kind of say, hey, this is something that can help either by itself or kind of in conjunction with other things as well. Yeah, that's so smart. So what I'm hearing you say is that both of you are speaking to that self-awareness, whether you can verbalize it or you just kind of like know when you know, and you're like, I need a tool right now because I got weird energy and I need to process through this emotion. I'm not running from it. I'm sitting with it, which we know, you know, the research shows is way more healthy, but you're not succumbing to it too. So it's calm strips is kind of like paving the path for you to work with your emotions and also show up in the way you want to show up because you've got an outlet for restless energy or nerves or whatever it is that you're feeling. So the Buddha says <laughs> to hold your sorrow like a baby and ask it what it needs, right? So I feel like that is true for all of our emotions, especially the ones that are uncomfortable. Anxiety is not a wonderful feeling. So I think much like sorrow or, you know, something like that, we have to say, okay, what is this? Why am I having this? Let's deal with it. So that's where my uh, foundation is with this. Right. And that's that's huge that you've recognized the utility and then you've also made it a tool that like you said before is pretty and kind of like an interesting conversation piece for kids that sort of like I can see that yes this is in the individual level helping kids self-regulate but kind of on like the meta level you're helping create a situation where it's normalized like yeah I need tools I use a pencil to write and I use this to deal with my energy and that's me. Ta-da. <laughs> and I think we've kind of evolved also like kind of the design sense of them, especially over the last little bit, because like when we started, you know, a couple of years ago, like the whole kind of conception of having the designs was number one, all the stuff that Lucy said about them being, you know, something that a kid or a teacher wants to put on top of the desk rather than under the desk because it, it looks really nice. And so I think that that was a part of it. It was also like kind of inspired by kind of calming scenes and experiences. Like that was kind of our mindset to that. You know, if, if you're big into like, let's say, you know, the night sky, for example, like we have ones that are inspired by that or by the ocean or by rainbows. or And so it was kind of like that idea of it being inspired by a calming scene and experience. I think that as we've kind of 
gone along. We still have that, but I think we've seen more and more from our customers that they're willing to go and be like, cool, love that. You know, our most popular style is called Cosmos, which is kind of like this purple blue kind of night sky looking one. But we also have stuff that has like rocket ships on it. You know what I mean? And so I remember when we first launched that, we're like, kids love it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, tremendous, but like, I'm like, yeah, I guess, I mean, watching a rocket ship launch could be a calming experience, I guess, if you're like, if that helps calm you down. So I think it's like, I think the point is that like, we want to make something that for our customers and like, we want them to have it, like whether they're an adult or a kid, like we want them to have something on it that speaks to them personally and that they can connect with from the design of it. Like the texture is kind of the, the star of the show, but I think, you know, people, get to choose a design that they think is going to look cool on their phone or look cool on their laptop. And so it becomes this thing that they want to have on their person, even aside from the fact that it's it's helping them as a sensory tool. Yeah, I love it. And that kind of leads me to what I've been curious to ask you both. And that's, you know, calm strips can stick to anything. They can stick to, well, virtually anything. I don't think you could stick them to sand, but yeah, there you go. Your phone. I have one on my phone. (laughs) I know they can go a lot of different places. Like what's the most interesting place you've seen a calm strip stuck to? You've heard kids stick them to their bedpost a lot. Like Michael said earlier, it's great for meditation. And as a mom of children with ADHD and myself, When you lay down to go to bed and everything's done, your brain's like, sweet, now let's think about all that other stuff, right? So calm strips can be used to help stop those thoughts. You know, if you focus on just one thing, like meditation, breathing, counting your breaths, feeling the back of your throat, touching the calm strip, like focusing on that one thing rather than all the other stuff, (laughs) you know, it helps to quiet the mind sometimes, which is insanely helpful. I actually, that was kind of going to be my original answer. So she's just all, but yeah, we also got a picture from a customer who sent us a picture of it kind of on, like they had a bunk bed and it was kind of on the part that connects the top and bottom bunk. And they're like, oh, this has really helped them to you know, fall asleep. But I think like for me, like more broadly, I think we have a thing that we talk a lot about, about like kind of leaning in. Like I had the original idea for the product and Lucy came in and she added her je ne sais quoi to the product as well. And, you know, and it's kind of evolved, but I think, you know, we kind of try and lean in to where our customers are, are telling us. And so I'll be honest, like when I first came out, like when we first came out with this, my idea was like, who is this for? And like, it's like people like me, like people who, you know, like, you know, I used it at the Apple store because I was like really anxious when we'd have a lot of customers, for example, that's where I used to work. So like, that was kind of my idea. It's like, this is for people like me. And like, I remember the first time I saw a picture, someone sent me of it, like on a desk in a classroom and then saw that more and more to the point where like, okay, now we have a classroom pack. Like that was not something that existed. Or I was like, this is going to be huge in schools. Like we're going to make this happen. But like, we just kept hearing from educators. Like, this is really something that's helpful for us. And we kind of leaned into that. But I think for me, like the one that I've seen that kind of makes me the most proud, I guess, is seeing them in schools and seeing them in classrooms and seeing that they're helping teachers and students. Like, I think that that's something that 
you know, we've really leaned into. And I think that we are doing our best to support that in a lot of different ways. But I think those are the kind of places that I see comp strips that kind of touch me the most, I guess, or, or, or really connect with me the most. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, it's so huge, especially right now as kids are kind of transitioning back into the classroom and they're showing up in, you know, let's say seventh grade bodies, but kind of with the executive function skill set of fifth and a half grade at best, (laughs) you know, kind of where we hit pause on education. So tools like these really help fill in the gaps that everybody's experiencing, whether teacher level or student level. So I think Lucy, actually, I'm pretty sure it was Lucy who sent this to me or I saw it on Facebook, but it was like, if your child is in fourth grade, their last normal year of school was first grade or like, so I think like we kind of have this like mindset of like, oh, it hasn't been that long. And, and the kids, are, you know, but I think for someone like my son, Max, who's nine, like he's in fourth grade, like it's been three years since he's had a normal year of school. And what you're describing is kind of what a lot of people with ADHD and executive function needs struggle with in transitions. So, you know, like a change of context or a change of location or demands or anything like that just demands different brain network activity, right? And so that is a tricky thing to switch. And some people kind of have more like dimmer switches where you can kind of go in between networks and some people it's like an on and then off. And it's extra hard to regulate, you know, kind of on demand. So having a tool like Calm Strips or something that like just a support for giving your brain a job to kind of like get you through those moments is huge. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about even this year, as much as I feel like schools are trying to make what we're doing normal to your point, Sarah, They are also having a lot more half days and teacher work days. And they're kind of not sporadic, but almost, oh, by the way, next week we're going to do this. So it's a change like that for parents and kids alike who then have to scramble and figure out childcare and all that kind of stuff. And so just dealing with that in the moment can be very flustering, I think for anybody, but especially like neurodivergent people are, (laughs) we're not okay. (laughs) We're just not okay with these kinds of changes so quickly. So, yeah. 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 And it's, it's all like we were talking about before that self-awareness of like, this is a transition. My brain has some difficulty with this. What kind of tools can I use? Okay. So I was like fangirling about you guys for a long time. I've been super excited to record this show. So I have kind of a more meta step back and like think about your own thinking right now, that metacognition. You've been on Shark Take. You're running this awesome business. What like brain hacks do you use? How do you systematize this? Because I imagine there are tons of moving parts. Like, do you have any strategies for your own executive function that you really love? I've got one that everyone in my office knows about. I think I, they, they definitely know. So I don't know, maybe I'll write a book about it one day, but I have a rule. I call it the five minute rule, which is if a task takes me less than five minutes to complete, I do it right away. Because for me, like the way my brain works is like, I'm thinking about like, big projects. Like, what do I need to do? That's going to take me like two or three hours to do. And like mentally, like breaking up the day into chunks of time. So I can figure out when I'm going to do that stuff. 
And some stuff I have to schedule because if I don't, I just won't do it. Like accounting, for example, I hate, I absolutely like going into QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff. It's just not fun. It's not, it's not my, my wheelhouse, but you know, it's, it's a task that needs to be done. So like today, the reason I'm in my kitchen and I'm in the office is that's what I'm working on from home is like that and paying the taxes and all that kind of fun stuff. But some of that stuff, I, I kind of have to make sure that I'm kind of focus on. But if I have a task that comes like, Hey, you need to sign this paper or sign this check, or you need to do this. If it takes me less than five minutes, like reprint a label or something like that, I try and do it right away because what happens is, is by kick it to the back of the list, I'll never get to it. Like, because I'll have all these other big tasks I won't get to. So something that works for me is I call it the five minute rule. So if something takes less than five, five minutes or less to do, do it right away. Don't push it off because It'll never, until it becomes like urgent where someone's like, hey, did you friggin' do that thing you said you were going to do? And I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot. And that happens a lot too, even with the five minute rule. And I am the absolute opposite. I compartmentalize for work specifically. I compartmentalize everything. I need a process for most things. And I write notes and or lists all the time because even if I never go back to look at them, I know that my brain has written it. So it's like engaged different parts of my brain rather than just listening to something or thinking about it. I need it down on paper so I can read it, write it, hear it, see it, whatever I need to do. And then I'll remember it more. And then as far as like the five minute rule, I love that it works for my goal. My thinking is if I do the big stuff first, I know I'm not going to leave without doing that little stuff because it takes five minutes. So I am a little bit different, a little bit opposite of that. But I think that's why we work so well together because if we were exactly the same, we would be doing these five-minute projects all day long. Right, or just not getting to them until they became very urgent, right? Exactly. I think also like having the flexibility to know that like any system that you put in place, like knowing that it's not going to work a hundred percent of the time. Like, I think that's something that we, we talk about a lot, which is like, we're eight people, you know, seven in an office and one that's remote. And we do all of our packing and fulfilling still like out of our office. Like, it's not like you order comm strips, it comes to us, we print the label, we stick it, you know, like we're, we're doing the whole thing. And so I think for us, it's like, we, I hate, policies in general. Like I hate when you work with a company and you tell them something that's like totally common sense and they're like, yeah, but it's not our policy. And like, it drives me crazy because it's like, no, like I'm telling you, like if we do it this way, it's actually going to save your company money and it's going to be better for everybody. And like, yeah, but that, yeah, we can't do it. So I think like something for us as well as like knowing that we, we have these kind of structures that we're putting in place, but I think we still have the flexibility to say, Hey, I'm in the middle of a big project. Like, let me push this thing off to later or like realizing in the situation that you're in. Okay. Like this is what I would normally do, but this time it's okay to do that. I, I think just, it's like, you see these like YouTube videos about like entrepreneurship or like people and they're like, I wake up at four 30 every morning and drink raw coffee with, you know, the, the beans still in the cup. And I just drink the whole thing. Like, and it's like, and, and but the, 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 the thing is like, basically like the implications, like this is how you can be successful. If you just do this, you'll, you'll be all right. And I think it's like, it's different for everybody in every scenario. I like to work late at night. Like, I'll be honest, like I'm not a morning person. Like my wife usually goes to bed early. She's an early bird. So like, she'll go to sleep like 10 or 10 30. And I might be up until two in the morning, like doing something like working on the computer or doing stuff I need to do because like, 
that's how I'm wired. You know, I just, I like to work late at night. So I, I don't put pressure on myself to be like, I've got to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and do this, that, and the other thing, because like, that's not working for me. And so I think that's one of the best things about kind of like owning your own business. I feel like is it kind of gives you the flexibility to understand your true kind of process or the, or the true and, and like kind of your can structure your work life so that you're the most productive that you can be and not have it be like, I have to be in nine to five Monday to Friday to be effective. Um, I think you can kind of know yourself a little bit better in that way. So what I'm hearing you say kind of matches up with what we like toyed around with a little bit during learn from home, like the remote learning, because kids had more flexibility. So we worked on like, you know, let's map your energy. Like let's figure out when you have the most brain power and let's put the hardest stuff there in your schedule. And then, you know, for like homework time, and then let's figure out when your brain's kind of on autopilot. And then that's when we do like maybe the computerized minutes that you need to do or kind of like the more easy, like, I hate to say busy work, but let's be real. Busy work is a thing at schools. So like maybe you plug in the busy work during the times when your brain's like not as on and you've noticed that pattern. So it's really speaking to kind of the self-awareness that forms the basis for any executive function tool that we're employing. I think something that we really learned throughout all of this virtual learning, to your point, is the teachers, when they do virtual learning, they put in brain breaks. I know my kids had brain breaks three or four times a day, and it's a simple five minutes. It's not a ton of time, but it's enough for the kid to get up and shake the sillies out, do what he or she needs to do, and just kind of re-engage with their learning. Even if it's just re-engaging with their body and taking a bio break or whatever they need to do, they can do. And it was, oh God, it was so nice because I feel like that was kind of them chipping away at the, what we need to do for mental health in schools. And that was probably the first thing I saw that was, yes, please do this. And I, I hope, I don't know, but I hope they're doing it now in school as well, because it's probably just as, if not more stressful in school right now. Yeah, I agree. And I can't speak to all schools, but I know that many are using that because you can kind of, I call it melting. You can kind of watch the kids. Like they go from like sitting up and they're like, okay, I'm here to like within a few, you get the hand on the desk and then the face on the hand. And then pretty soon they're slumped and like, whoops. And then they're just done. Yeah. And it's, if I have more than a few kids melting, that's my indication as a teacher that like they've exhausted their self-regulation tools, their energy's not meeting the needs anymore. Like they need a reboot. They need a refresh so that their brain's available. And that's okay. There's no judgment there. Like either I need to like step it up and like change it up in delivery, or they need a physical, like move it around break because, you know, we know, we know that our brains are not designed to think thinking's expensive in terms of glucose. And so our, (laughs) our brains are wanting to keep us alive, right? Like they're going to engage when there's the right mix of interest and urgency and all that kind of stuff. And that's, I think was brought to light through distance learning in terms of teachers, like being able to watch kids if they had their cameras on and to draw it back to calm strips, you guys are providing a tool for that 
where kids can increase their self-awareness just through kind of exploring which calm strip works for them and where they want it and when they kind of need that self-regulation and then also just normalizing it. Like guys, we all need different things, right? Like we all wear different size clothes or, you know, I have a physical disability and I wear two different size shoes. (laughs) That's a thing. Cause well, actually I don't wear different size shoes for fun. Actually I have different size feet. We can make that clear. That's a weird way of saying it. (laughs) (laughs) But, and you know, like that's, that's a physical manifestation. Like in some ways I've got it not necessarily easier, but very different. Cause I could show some of my struggle. Most of my struggle is nerves. So you can't see that, but in terms of our brains, you know, we need those outward signs and you're normalizing that through calm strips. I got to say one really cool thing about calm strips and this conversation from going from virtual to in school is for kids that loved being virtual. I've got some, they were all about it, but they had calm strips everywhere. I mean, my kids have them and it's funny too, cause they all use them differently. One kid has it on the back of their screen where they hold their screen like in scratch like that. Some of them have them next to the trackpad. But the cool thing is that sense when they go back in school, which is not their favorite, they still have that like, oh, that's right. This brings me comfort. This is, it's like your woobie when you're a little kid, right? They remember, okay, I'm learning, I'm scratching, I dig this at home. But when you go back in school, you're like, okay, I'm learning, I'm scratching, I dig this. While being in person is not my favorite, I still have this comfort. Yeah, the transition tool. Talk a lot about self-awareness and self-regulation, obviously, on the show. How would somebody know, like, personally, or how would a parent or teacher observe and be like yo, this kid might need a calm strip. I can speak from personal experience. I was just recently talking to one of my children's doctors and I said, you know what? I could really use a doctor like you. Do you have anybody that I should talk to? And she said, what are you thinking is the issue? And I was like, I don't know. I've just got all this stuff. And I was thinking, you know, it's probably maybe ADHD. And she goes, you think like, So I think it's, I know she called me out real quick. It's okay. I asked for it. I think there's the moment where you have kids that are just doing things their own way. You know, they, they march to the beat of a different drum, whatever you want to call it. Like just ask them, I think, you know, what are you thinking? Or how did you get to this? When my daughter was really young, she was often in trouble for bad behavior. And that is in quotation marks because my kid is an angel. <laughs> Just, she's not really an angel. But that's okay. <laughs> or spinning in line or asking somebody their name. And like, it was a very impulse control thing. And I was like, these aren't bad. I think you're, you're naming them inaccurately. So I, I think those kids that, I don't know how to put this without sounding like a terrible person. Kids that maybe irk your sense of demeanor, like your sense of calm, ask them why. Why are you doing this? Like, what are you thinking about? You know, just getting that sense of how their brain works because not all our brains work the same. I think we've come to that conclusion already, right? So my daughter will tell you, I don't know, I just had to. Well, that right there tells me, okay, but why? I don't know. I just, I just had to. And even the way she says things, I'm like, yeah, I see this. I see you have the need to do something right now. How can I alleviate that need in a more appropriate manner? 
and boom, calm strips. <laughs> so she uses both styles of calm strips for different reasons. Like if she's sitting down at a test and she needs to absolutely focus, she likes the soft sand because she has to really think about feeling that grain. Whereas if she's just out and about and maybe, and she still does this, she still does have impulse control issues where if she's out and about and like, she doesn't want to run across the mall to look at somebody's shoes. It's happened before, you know, she's got the river rocks where it's more like an everyday kind of accessible thing for her. So I feel like the longest story short, asking kids why they're doing the things that seem different than what you expect of them is a good way to kind of just narrow down. Do they need a tool, a help, a doctor, you know, those Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, if you're noticing, I would say like a mismatch of the environmental expectation versus what the kid or adult. So side note, I usually say kids or humans, which is a very odd distinction because kids are humans. So (laughs) I apologize. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing. It's my go-to. It's strange. So whoever we're noticing though, has that kind of mismatch, like your energy is a little bit different than what the environment is expecting. I think the interesting thing is like we, every once in a while, like we get that question, like an email, like, do you think this would help with my child? Or do you think this would help, you know, a, a certain individual? But I feel like nine times out of 10, if you're like already in that thought process of whether you think it could help or not. I mean, I say, you know, give it a try. I mean, I think it's like one of the things that we're really proud of is, you know, we have a 60 day money back guarantee. So if you're kind of in the mindset of, you know, should I try this out? Like, I think if you're already thinking along those lines, chances are maybe it's something that would, would work for you. I mean, give it a shot. And, you know, we're, we're nothing if not customer focused at, at Comstrips. Like we have a poster hung in our annex. We'll soon be hanging in our office that says at Comstrips, we want all of our customers to be happy. And I think that that's something that we really kind of live by. So I, I think it's something if you're if you're thinking about giving them a try, so, you know, give them a try. If you like them, fantastic. We think, you know, you probably will. But if for some reason you don't, you know, we still want you to walk away happy for having tried them and happy with the experience. Right. And I highly doubt people return them because, you know, like the variety is pretty cool and you've got cool things to try out. And if they don't necessarily work for you individually, like I can imagine, you know, somebody that they do work for, you know? So yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, our return rate's like under 1%. So like most people get them, they love them. And it's it's not really a thing. I would say like our number one, I would say return reason or like things that we hear from customers is like literally they got it 10 minutes ago and they all will be like, hey, I just got this and it's not what I was expecting. It's not as textured as I thought. Blah, blah, blah. And like what I always like say is like, Put it somewhere you're going to use it on a regular basis for like a week. As I, we, you have 60 days. So like just take a week or two weeks and like put it somewhere, like put it on your phone, put it on your laptop, put it somewhere where you're going to have it and use it and like try and utilize it and, and see if it works for you. And like invariably we hear back, oh yeah, I, I, I didn't get it initially, but now like I've had it a couple of weeks, I find like I'm using it all the time. So I think it's like, it, it is a tool, like you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So I think like my big thing for people who want to try it is like, really try it. The reason it's 60 days and not like a three day guarantee is like, try it. Like, you know, put it somewhere you're going to use it. And 
And you know, if you don't dig it, it's cool. We'll we'll take care of you. But we think you know most people really like it. And if you're kind of just got it and you're kind of on the fence, you know, keep trying it. Still doesn't work. Let's know. That's kind of the mantra with any strategy, right? Like behavior change is slow. And we know that like our brains are a little bit lazy. We like to reserve that glucose and, you know, change is seen as a threat oftentimes. So when any strategies coming on board, like you're going to notice like initial excitement and then some rejection, and then maybe even like reverting harder back to the old behaviors, that's called the extinction burst. And then finally some buy-in. So I really appreciate that you're giving that 60 day time to really like give it a shot and experiment, right? Like be that detective of your own brain, what works in your life. Thank you both so, so much. Yeah, you're going to be on our Instagram live. So Lucy's going to reach out to you after this because I think. Heck yes, I am. It's in my notes. There you go. We definitely agree. So we definitely enjoyed it. Thank you for having us on. And, you know, it's, it's been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Executive Function Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to sarahkesty.com where you'll find more resources and chances to connect with others. And please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more families.